The devil bowed his head because he knew that he'd been beat. And he laid that golden fiddle on the ground at Johnny's feet. Johnny said, devil, just come on back if you ever want to try again. I done told you once, you son of a bitch. I'm the best that's ever been. That's a song called The Devil Went Down to Georgia by the Charlie Daniels Band from their 1979 album, Million Mile Reflections. That's Joe's song choice of the week. And Joe, why'd you choose those lyrics? That's a good question. You know, it's multifaceted. First of all, nice to be here with you again, my brother. Um, it's multifaceted. I, I wanted to diversify and keep being eclectic like I always preach. I wanted to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. And I figure I've been doing a good job of moving around from genre to genre. Uh, and it, I realized that I hadn't really touched on a genre in and of itself, which is Southern rock to me it's a separate little it's a separate entity it's a separate groove there's country music there's rock and then there's that southern fried rock right there's that southern rock i've been wanting for a while for a couple of three weeks thinking about you know what am i going to do i'm going to i'm going to get to that genre and what am i going to you know and all of a sudden i I'm thinking that just the other day again i'm thinking i'm going to you know i'm going to touch back on southern rock and about 10 minutes later i'm watching the tv and i saw somebody playing a violin and just, just the thoughts were so close. I thought, oh, there it is. It's 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 Charlie Daniels. I, I can't hear a fiddle without thinking about, you know, that song. And also that song to me, to me. Now, of course, you're going to hear names in the future when I'm in this in this genre, like Leonard Skinner and the Allman Brothers and all the way to Molly Hatchet and things like that. But to me, the quintessential uh, Southern rock song that, that triggers me is this one. The devil went down to Georgia by charlie daniels it's a great song in general in that it's unique it takes you on a little story it takes you kind of captures you in the first couple of lines you know the devil went down to georgia he was looking for a soul to steal he was way behind he was in a bind he was willing to make a deal and all of a sudden your head turns like whoa this isn't your average little you know little love song or whatever this is a little different and he starts taking you on a story uh you know on a journey he's taking you through you know you know in a story uh you know down south and so forth about uh, this young man named johnny standing in the woods playing his fiddle and practicing and i'm not going to go through the whole thing uh but uh, the devil shows up and he starts talking with him and, and they want to see who's the better fiddle player. And it goes on. And the lyrics I chose were like the grand finale. Like if you ever go to a fireworks show and you see the fireworks and it's really cool and it builds up and builds up. And then in the last couple of three, four minutes, it just all hell breaks loose and the crowd goes crazy. So th these lyrics here, when he says that, uh, are the grand finale. And it's sort of like good triumphs evil and it's just a, a i've i've been in places sean uh small bars i've been in house parties where everyone's been partying all night and then someone puts this song on and at the end there i mean it's tantamount to going to the movies and you know when the bad guy's car blows up and you know that he's gone or whatever or when you know one of the kids kills jason and he's floating to the bottom of the lake and you know that you know that's it it's over you know good triumphs over evil it's one of those things and uh it also to me i told you before has another has another you know meaning to me sort of i told you before i used to work with um emotionally disturbed teens and i would use this song as a vehicle uh to 
to um, make aware uh, some of the kids that were from some areas where, you know, they may only listen to hip hop or they may have a closed mind about music or this or that. I'd say something like, all right, you know, I talked to them about hip hop because I was around when hip hop started and I knew a whole lot more about hip hop than they, they even imagined. Uh, but after that, I'd say, now, how about this? How about, do you ever think you might something like something like this? And maybe I'll show them a picture of Charlie Daniels or something. And they said, now nah, I can't see myself like in any, uh, and it just, I can tell you time after time after time that I put this song on. And by the time it started in, you know, the, you know, the devil's, uh, you know, fire flew from his fingertips as he rolls and up his bow and things like that. And they'd be like, whoa. And it's that, you know, honest to God, it would really work. And the kids would love it. Kids from all over, all different, you know, races and neighborhoods and and so forth. They would love this song. And I would use it as a vehicle to prove to them that you can't judge a book by its covers. You got to try other things. You got to be open to new things, open to new music. And that opens the door, maybe to open to new, uh, trying new food. And then it also keeps going, hey, if you didn't think you like that and you like this, you didn't think you like that and you like that. And pretty soon they start to realize that there are a whole lot more commonalities within cultures that they were ever aware of. So it was just one of those things, too. But to, to go back to the very top, it's a kick-ass song. And another one of the last things, but it's really one of the first things is, any musician will tell you the most difficult instrument to learn how to play is the violin, the fiddle. It is just the most complex, arduous instrument to learn how to, to play. So, and the way this guy just, just, just rips it through and just, it's, it's incredible. And it was just one of those things. So um, why did I choose it? I just gave you about a half a dozen reasons why, but it really is, it's a kick-ass tune. Uh, it's, it's in the Southern rock genre. Um, it has the violin, it sports the violin and, uh, those lyrics are really, like I said, sort of like in a movie where the bad guy finally gets it and you're cheering for the good guy. And it's, it's different. It's a very different song. It's, it's a break from, it's a break from the, well, we were dating and, and you dumped me or, or I saw you and you were cheating or, or don't you still love me? Or it's a, it's a break from the normal subject matter of song. And don't get me wrong. Some of the best songs in the world are songs about, you know, amorous relationships, but uh, it's, it's a song about something different. He takes you on an imaginal journey, much the way the Beatles did, you know? So yeah. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I remember as a kid, my mom had it on the car. Um, and she was like, you know, listen to this. And I was like, you know, what is this? What is this song? And it was interesting. It was intriguing because it was a different type of sounding song. Cause it, it's a, it's a classified as country genre and won a Grammy award for best country performance by a duo or group. Um, I believe around 1979, but it was played on like classic rock stations as a, cause I listened to a ton of that growing up in the car, classic mm -hmm. rock stations. Um, and I remember the song very clearly. Yeah. And I mean, they had to clean sometimes at some parts, they put son of a gun as the last part on the, uh, you know, on some of the songs so they could play it on radio stations and it's still good, but there's just a little more emphasis when he says SOB, you know, and I've, I've been in house parties where um, 
that would come on in. When they get to that line, you'd have about 80 people singing that last line, everybody just going crazy because it's just one of those, you know, there are certain lyrics that do that, you know? Um, yeah. So it was just one of those things. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to touch on that genre. Southern rock is what I call it. And you're going to be hearing a lot more from it, from me. I mean, you know, uh, Leonard, like I said, Leonard Skinner, the Almond Brothers, Molly Hatchet, the list goes on and on. But I wanted to just get that one out there first. Absolutely. Um, so today is Friday, uh, end of the work week. So that's always a good feeling. I got to work tomorrow. I got to work on Saturdays. Um, but for you, how do you feel about Fridays? Is it like, what a relief? Like, are you totally just like focused and just ready for your weekend to put your feet up on that chair and relax? Oh, hell, I'm ready for that on Wednesday, but you know, I'm ready for that every day. Just put my feet up and wrap. But yeah, um, Friday's always good. Um, you know, only problem is, um, you know, you breathe, you exhale on this Sunday night. But what are you going to do? Um, if you're working a Monday to Friday job, that's the way that's the way it is. Um, but, um, you know, some jobs are different. And, and you know, some countries, Sean, believe it or not, this is a little. No, it's not off topic. It is the topic. Some countries are going to a, a, a four day work week, whereas you work, you know, nine or 10 hours a week um, or 10 hours a day for four days. And you get three days off. Uh, and, you know, there's no reason why eventually they're going to start maybe going to stuff like that here because, you know, that life work balance type thing. But for now, yeah, I'm in the Monday, Friday grind. So Friday is cool. How about you? Well, yeah. you kind of said, yeah. I mean, tomorrow, tomorrow I'm not working. I'm only working like, you know, a quarter of my shift because Villanova's playing Providence at 430. <laughs> and um, I have some vacation hours and personal time. I'm just like, you know what? As a diehard Villanova basketball fan, it would be offensive and appalling for me to miss this game. So I have no other choice but to leave work early and watch the game, sir. Gotcha. Gotcha um, covered. There's actually books about, like you just mentioned, about the four-day the, the four work week or something like that. Like there's mm-hmm. – I had a friend in college who was like reading the book. Um, I'm trying to think of what it's called. Oh, it's called The Four-Day – The Four-Hour Work Week. Escape nine to five, live anywhere, and join the new rich, uh, by Timothy Ferris. That might be um, a little different than what I'm talking about, but go ahead. It's got a 4.5 rating on Amazon. It was released in 2009, or the guess the updated version was. Um, but it's really highly ranked. Um, it's how to live more and work less. Um, yeah. forget the old concept of retirement, the rest of the deferred life plan. Um yeah, it's uh, he said how Tim went from forty thousand dollars per year and eighty hours per week to forty thousand per month and four hours per week. So it's probably, it's probably more complicated than it sounds. Like this guy probably hit it big with something easy. <laughs> He's just writing a book about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think what I'm talking about is a little something different that that other some other countries have already adopted. It's it's go to work four days a week, stay a little longer. And have three days off. That's all. I mean, no drastic changes in, in salary or anything like that. But what a lot of companies are finding out is when they offer this to people and the people accept it, they get more product productivity out of people because the attitude is better. It's like, yeah, I'll stay the extra hour. I'll stay here and kick ass because I'm going to get an extra day, you know? So I, I so I like and yeah, e- even some places, it. yeah, some some places in our country are, are, are doing that, you know, but eventually it may be, become the norm. Go ahead. Yeah, if you think about it, like if if we just worked like one hour, because honestly, what happens on Fridays? People get lazy. People are just like, oh, it's the end of the week. I don't have to do anything. I'm, you know, and <laughs> some companies let their people leave early on Fridays. Yeah. Um, 
you know, sometimes you can, you can, as long as you're more, if you're efficient as a company and you're efficient, if you, all your employees are getting their job tasks done and they're efficient, you really can cut off a whole day at work. You don't need that fifth day. You're right, Joe. I mean, you really, there's ways to, there's ways to improve the quality of people's lives where they can have that extra day. You know, this, the extra day is huge. The extra day of, uh, so you don't have just the two days in the weekend where it's just Saturday and Sunday, you know? Yeah. Um, and the working at home thing. Then now the COVID kind of, uh, the COVID kind of brought that about a little more. It kind of helped it along. But the working at home thing is becoming more and more popular too. And it's it's just another break from the old, they call it the old World War II. It was after World War II, the workplace developed more of a military type of, you know, you you punch in and you punch out and you have to show up and you do, you know, it was more of a, it was more of a, of a military type of, of attitude that kind of uh, drove that for the longest time. But we're far removed from that. We're getting near 80 years away from you know so um yeah that's that's time for for some new stuff before you move on if if you're ready to move on to your next topic i just want to interject one thing if i can real quickly go ahead uh just um our brothers and sisters over in turkey are going through living hell right now and i just wanted to um you know offer thoughts and prayers but also donations. I wanted to, I donated and I know you donate as well. And I just wanted to, uh, um, thoughts and prayers are nice, but they don't feed the bulldog. You know what I mean? A lot of times people get slaughtered here in, in a massive shootout or whatever, or, you know, a you know, mass murder and people come out and say, oh, thoughts and prayers are with you. You know what? I don't need your thoughts and prayers. I need you to vote for legislation that will preclude this kind of carnage from happening. But I digress. For this turkey situation, if you anyone who's seen the news, these poor people are going through living hell. And I just would like to um, make it easy for people to. It's a very easy way to donate. If you have a, a phone and you can text, it's very easy. And text the word Red Cross, one word, Red Cross. Text the word Red Cross to the number 90999. Again, Text Red Cross, one word, to the number 90999. An automatic $10 donation will go to those folks and any other folks who are victims of natural disasters. Thank you for giving me that time. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, so next topic, not next topic, we're still on the opening dialogue here, the free talk segment, which we you know, I'm, I'm learning to really enjoy the opening segment. We can talk about some stuff freely without being too organized. Right. I like that. Um, I was in a Panera Bread last night and I was in the bathroom. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm a real germaphobe. I carry a bottle of Purell in my pocket everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. I've been doing this for over a decade. People always thought I was nuts. So like, why do you need that little bottle of Purell? Like, we'll be sitting at, about to eat dinner. I'm like, oh my God, you touch that, you touch that, you touch that. Well, you know, pure all your hands before you, you know, pick up the bread, the bread, you know, the bread basket comes and everyone's eating the bread right away. I'm putting pure all in my hands. I'm that type of guy. Um, but this is way before COVID. So during COVID happened, everyone's like, oh my God, you were like, you know, you were right. You know, you need the, we have to be clean. Our hands are filthy. We can spread diseases and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I know. But anyway, I was in a bathroom last night. And what I have to do when I'm in a bathroom, people think that I'll just walk out of the bathroom without washing my hands. What I have to do now is I have to take out the Purell out of my pocket and sh and start putting on the Purell as I'm walking out to show them that I'm, yes, I didn't wash my hands. However, I'm putting Purell on my hands. I probably have the cleanest hands in the frigging state. You don't know <laughs> me how many times I put on Purell on my hands, dude. I have it all over my apartment. I have it all in my car, always in my pocket. 
anyway, yesterday this this huge fat not not judging fat people, but this guy was huge and fat. Uh, he was he was he was obese. He was obese. He was obese. But I'm right. you'll understand why I'm calling him fat in a second. Um, I finished peeing. He walks in the bathroom. He sees me walk out, and he like says. Well, you don't wash your hands like very angrily towards me. And he thought I would just continue walking out and not say a word. Wow. So I stopped right at the door, pulled out the pure out of my pocket and I show it to him. I wave it to him right before he goes to the bathroom. I catch his attention. I'm like, sir, I carry this everywhere. I carry this everywhere. Just so you know, but thanks for reminding me to wash my hands. And he had no words. He looked at me and just laughed and smiled and smirked. And I really showed that guy. Cause it's like, he just threw off my whole vibe. You know, I got good vibe, had a good day. And here I'm in the bathroom and this guy's, you know, you know, even if you think someone's not washing their hands, it's not really your place to, to angrily instruct that's, them. Yeah. That's the you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 And this guy was, I wanted to say to him, cause like I said, he would probably weigh at least 400 pounds. I wanted to say, I wanted to say so many things. I was like, dude, you know, why don't you lose some freaking weight? I think that's probably more dangerous than me not washing my hands, but yes, I do have this pure. I wanted to say so many different things to him. You know what I mean? Because I was fat for four years and I struggled with like real, like I had a big belly and it was really self-conscious and people were make calling me names and stuff. And I was, you know, I was an athlete my whole life. So I wasn't used to it. I wasn't used to being fat shamed. So I didn't go there with this gentleman, but I certainly wanted to, because I know what it took for me to lose the weight. It took willpower. It took counting my calories. It took exercising seven days a week. It took a real, just a real stick to it of this. And, you know, fat people, fat people, obese people, whatever you want to call them, if unless they have some debilitating physical illness where they can't walk and it's really tough for them to burn the calories because your body just by being awake, you're burning around 1600 to 1800 calories per day. It's your BRM, your basal metabolic BMR. Um, not to go into a whole lecture here about losing weight, but this guy had the audacity to angrily and aggressively judge me for walking out of the bathroom where he thought that I didn't wash my hands. The only but- thing that, that gives me pause and you're my boy. I, I, you know, I'm going to take your side in this and I'm glad you, I'm glad you, either way, I'm glad you didn't, you didn't hurt the guy or whatever. No, I think, I, would never, I think I would maybe never. he, I think maybe he was trying to be a funny boy. That's all. No, it, the, this tone of voice was like really aggressive and angry, dude. Okay. Okay. Well, Cause you know, I, I, I wasn't there. I didn't wash your hand. It was like, it was like uh, very like, you know, I trust me. I know people's tones of voices. Right. Dude. Cause he could have been just like breaking your balls. Like, what? you don't wash your hands. Like that, like, you know, it could have, you know, but no, I'm telling you, man, okay. like, this, yeah, I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. Um, but it really just ruined my mood. I was like, dude, this really, you know, I'm just trying to get my coffee at Panera and like, you know, but I, I'm guessing, what do you think that the fact that I did this to him, the fact that I showed him the PRL and I said, sir, you know, here's my PRL. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for reminding me. Do you think he's going to learn from that? And he's the next time his next interaction is going to be a little bit more or less um, apt to be, to make a rude, aggressive comment towards a stranger in a bathroom. What do you think he's going to do? I hope so, but you never know. Um, you never know who he was, what his story is. You don't know if he has any problems. He might be, you know, he might not, you know, he might have some certain, you know, he might have some issues. He might have, he might, he might, who knows? He might have some, some problems where he's, he's, you know, that way. And maybe he's, he's inappropriate in that way, uh, you know, uh, and it's it's linked to other issues, you know. So we don't know. I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't. I honestly, I wouldn't worry too much about it if I were you. I think you did. I'd like to commend you for not for not going back at him like that. I really. Yeah, I just. I was very because I 
one thing about me, bro, I have a lot of self-control, like literally, you know, yes. I'll, I'll be able to, th- I, I think before I act, right. right. Um, you know, a lot of situations, that's why I haven't been really in like much physical altercations in my life because um, I got a lot of self-control and I know how to like, you know, handle situations and read the situation. Whereas a lot of people are throwing fists before they're thinking, you know what I mean? So right. I've always had that ability. But this was just extra annoying to me because I have the I have such clean hands, dude. This you have no idea how many times I pure on my hands, man. And for this guy to call me out at a Panera bathroom, it was just like, man, not tonight, you know? <laughs> gotcha, bro. Gotcha. <laughs> um so anyway, do you eat pomegranates? No, sir. Because I've had I've wanted to eat pomegranates. I'm trying to get back in the pomegranates. I used to eat a ton of them in Brooklyn. Um, you know, I scoop all of them out and then I put them in like a nice little Tupperware and then you know, when I'm craving something sweet, I have a nice spoonful of the pomegranates. It's very tasty, um, but they're like impossible to find. I haven't been able to find them at any local super, supermarket. Apparently, they're supposed to have them at BJ's. The, you know, it's, like, it's a Costco type warehouse place, mm-hmm. um, but they don't, they were out of them. So I haven't been able to find pomegranates. I'm just interested to see if you uh, if you found them anywhere. If you eat, you, you don't even eat them, so it doesn't matter to you, I guess. No, but what I was just thinking today is what I'd like to get is some kind of a recipe for a really really smart tasty healthy um smoothie i mean not any you know there's smoothies in their smoothies. Well, some people just throw a bunch like, of shit in there and you like beets i don't necessarily like beets but i'd like to because include the, i'd like to include them in a smoothie if it's a real strategic smoothie yeah because i know? uh i just bought beets and um on the package of the beets it says uh it says um you know make it recipe for a beet smoothie so, you know, there's, there's a lot of healthy recipes out. You can just Google like really healthy. I, I'm a, I used to be a huge smoothie guy. I would never, I would not start my day without a, a big fruit smoothie. You know, I'm talking strawberries, bananas, blueberries, Greek yogurt, whey protein, whatever. I mean, um, but I don't do that anymore. Cause I just found out there's a ton of sugar and it's better to eat. It's better to consume your fruit naturally to eat it and chew it. Yeah. Crush it up. Yeah. However, occasionally it's probably healthy, especially with some vegetables, maybe. Um, but you might be able to mess around with like a nice little beet smoothie, you know? Yeah, that's what I say. I, there's there's so many variations that I'd like one, and the goal would be to give me like a really good, solid, well balanced meal with as with as many vitamins and minerals, uh, and and as least amount of calories as possible, like a really good ratio there. But it's got to be real. There's there's hundreds of thousands of of different kinds of smoothies. But I think I'm just going to start researching to try to get. What I'd like to do is one night. Uh, one or two nights a week have that for dinner and nothing else but it's got to be smart it's got to be you know it's got to have protein it's got to have the right yeah. so it, what, it, what it, i what i would tell you because i know a lot about this stuff dude like you could ask me you could ask me off the air for sure okay this, this is gonna bore people but um i would buy a big big old uh tub of whey protein and then because that's what my my every day for breakfast dude all i do is mix coffee cold ice cold coffee and whey protein i shake it up chocolate flavor it's like having a nice chocolate, like energy drink and it, the, the protein, it's got 24 grams of protein that has the, you know, the skim milk in it from the coffee. Um, and then sometimes I, I put, a, I put a little peanut butter powder. You could buy peanut butter powder and put that in smoothies too. Okay. Um, but adding whey protein to any, anything that you're like any liquid drink that you want is a nice quick way to get a lot of pro- proteins really healthy for you. Why um, whey and not animal protein? Yeah, the way W H E Y. That's the well, one. Why, why whey protein? And oh, not- because well, whey, it goes to your muscles quicker. It's better for your body. Because I also have casein protein. Casein protein is longer. It takes longer to digest. But whey protein has been proven, and you know it's been around forever. 
Um, okay. it, just, okay. it just, it hits your muscles immediately. It's good okay. for your muscles. And, um, you couldn't, you know, I have to look, I haven't really looked in the animal. I, I mean, I, eat, I eat meat, you know, I eat, I eat steak, I eat burgers. Um, yeah. I eat a lot of chicken. So I'm getting my animal protein anyway. Right. So it's like the whey protein is a nice little, you know, change of pace. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have to get something because I wanted two nights a week. I want to just say, okay, I'm going to get my dinner. Where's my blender. But I just don't want to just shoot from the hip and oh, throw a little bit of this in and throw a little bit. No, I want to know what's going in there and why, and really well balance it so that it makes a lot of sense. So I'm getting all this stuff in the least caloric way that I can and the highest vitamin and mineral and protein and all that stuff that I can. So it's a really, really efficient and it could even taste moderately good. I'm not even really worried. Even if it tastes moderately good, but it does all those other things, I'm good. Cause two nights a week, that's what I want to do. So I'm going to start drop. I'm going to drop about 10 to 12 pounds, man. You know what I mean? I'm going to, I, I got to, you know, so, so that's what it is. Absolutely. It's always nice to have goals, man. Anybody without goals, like they're directionless. Like you have to have some goals. You got to be going somewhere, right? You got to be working towards something. So I commend you for at least, you know, the thought, the thought is good enough. Now you have the thought Mm -hmm. now turn it into a real life action plan. And there you go. Bam. You're, you're doing something positive for your life, dude. That's it. That's it. You got Uh, it, brother. As far as the movies, because I go to the movies all the time, as everyone knows who listens, um, I saw one of the most atrocious movies that I've ever seen. Whether you know I've been in theaters or I've seen it, this movie was so bad. It's called Marlowe, um, and I'm glad I have the movie subscription because I would if I paid full price for this movie, like if I just bought like a normal movie ticket without the subscription, I'd be livid that I, that I had to sit through this and pay for this. It, it's with Liam Neeson. It's a 19. It's supposed to take place in 1939, um, Bay City, and it's a private detective trying to figure out. A, it was just a confusing story, and it was just like awful it was so boring dude it was like it's almost two hours long and i was just like when is this going to end i don't know how on somehow on imdb it has a 5.9 rating but there's only been 467 ratings but liam neeson's in it diane kruger's in it jessica lang's in it all good actors right you know liam neeson the thing about liam neeson you expect him to be in these like really cool like um action movies and this was not it there's a couple scenes where he's like kicking ass but it was very little and it wasn't really believable for just learning his character. Like this guy's not kicking anybody's ass, but um, boring movie. Um, awful. Don't recommend it to anybody. Would give it <laughs> probably give it a 1.7, you know, out of 10. Movies um, just aren't as good, man. As they, I hate to sound like a, no, it's, not, it's, not, it's not like that. Cause I, I see, I basically see everything that's in theaters, bro. And movies still are good. I gotta tell you, there's a lot of great movies out there, but this was just an awful one. Um, then I saw the new Ant-Man last night, Ant-Man, the Wasp and Quantumania. Um, and uh, it was it was OK. I'm not a big Marvel guy, but I like Paul Rudd. Um, I like Michael Douglas. Uh, I like Michelle Pfeiffer. And man, Michelle Pfeiffer lo- still looks pretty good for her age. She's in it. And yeah. uh, she. Uh, anyway, she's looking pretty good for her age, but the movie itself was like pretty interesting. Um, like I said, I'm not a big Marvel guy. But there's another actor in it who stole the show. His name is Jonathan Majors. He plays the villain in this movie. Um, he was in a movie I saw, a really good movie I saw a couple months ago called Devotion, about being an African-American pilot in 1950, which is really good. He plays an amazing part in that. In this movie, he's a villain. Then he's playing, there's a new Creed movie. You know the Rocky movies, the Rocky spinoffs, the Creed movies? Mm-hmm. Um, he's the villain. He's like the bad guy. He's Creed's opponent in the new Creed. So this guy's getting a ton 
he's getting a ton of uh of big time roles, like 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 really big time roles, you know, to be cast in the franchise for the Creed franchise and be cast as a villain in a Marvel franchise. Um, he's really impressed me. He's 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 just an awesome actor. And uh, you know, at first I doubted him because I'm like, oh, this guy's a little bit funny looking to be an actor. I'm like, you know, does he have the looks? Because you know, he's not he certainly doesn't look like Denzel Washington, but he's his his acting ability is phenomenal. Um and I think he's you're gonna Joe. This guy's gonna be around for a while, dude. He was he was born in 1989. Uh, I'll pro- we usually like we like to do actors who have a lot of experience, but maybe one show we'll focus on Jonathan Majors. Like we'll do some up and coming. We'll change our segment a little bit. We'll do some up and coming actors, and we'll do the top five so far or the top three, because there's a lot of younger actors who have a lot of potential. Because um, you know we're gonna do these renowned actors, you know most most episodes, but. He'll be a good one to focus on. So Jonathan Major, shout out. I think he's got a bright, a bright future in Hollywood. Um, and then something else happened recently. Um, Tim McCarver, a really famous broadcaster, a Hall of Fame broadcaster. He played in the Major League Baseball. He was a catcher, I believe. I think he made yes. two All-Star games. Yeah. Fairly good player, I guess, but he was a better announcer. Um, he was known for his shrewd analysis of strategy, uh, his literate use of metaphor, his penchant for predicting what was about to unfold in the field. Um, he was sometimes a play-by-play announcer, but he was often a color man because he had a really g- great gift of gab. Uh, he died at 81. I always enjoy listening to him and Joe Buck. Um, so rest in peace, Tim McCarver. Yes. He's very, you know, the one thing that happened that people might know him for is that Deion Sanders uh, poured a bucket of ice water on his head when Deion Sanders was on the Braves. Yeah, and that was, was poor taste for Deion. Poor taste for because Dion's a great guy, so this is not really a reflection of his overall character, but he poured a bucket of ice water on Tim McCarver. Yeah, um, it's just not a good thing. So that was like one thing that McCarver's kind of remembered for, for the casual fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a great announcer. I know, Joe, you you know, you, what do you think about him? What did you think about him? He was okay? Um, he was a Philly for a while, um, and he was, he was um, instrumental to Steve Carlton, was one of the – all-time greatest pitchers in, in baseball history. He was a Phillies pitcher. And Steve Carlton, I think at one point, McCarver was his personal catcher. You know how they get comfortable with certain catchers. So he, he, I, I, you know, he was a Philly for a while. Then he was, uh, he was a Met. Um, and I kind of always remembered him for the latter because he seemed like he was there longer. I think it was with the St. Louis Cardinals there for a while, too. He was a, he was a journeyman player, pretty good player, um, announcer. I just, I, I, he was okay. He was just okay. And um, I do remember that incident with Deion Sanders. What he said about Deion Sanders, he said that this is when Deion was playing football and baseball. He made the comment that maybe Deion was being a little selfish playing both. And it was just his opinion. Well, instead of Deion saying something back in the media, um, the Braves won the World Series that year. And or the I think it was just a pennant. It was the, the Braves clinched the pennant that year. And um Instead of saying something back and retaliate verbally, uh, Dion, being the young cat that he was, I don't think he would do it today, but he got a big old water bucket and he went around looking. I mean, he was looking, the camera was on him and he was going in and out of the clubhouse and he's like, where McCarver, where McCarver, where you at, where McCarver. And he finally finds him and he throws this bucket of water on this guy. Now, Dion at the time is about 24 years old. McCarver's about 54 years old and really looked like he was about 64 at the time. He's just much older guy. And he had a, sh- a shirt and tie and a blazer on and he throws a bucket of water on him because he didn't like what he said. And I mean, and then McCarver, what's he going to do? 
he knew he couldn't really handle him physically. He didn't. And he just looked at him. He goes, yeah, you're a real man, Dion. You're a real man, sarcastically. But it was really an uncomfortable moment. I think it, even for being 24, you know, come back verbally at the guy if you want, but don't go, don't go looking for him and throwing a bucket of water on him like that. I just think that I think somebody should have whooped Dion's ass. Someone younger should have just done that on behalf of McCarver. But um, I digress. Uh, Tim McCarver, um, good guy, good player, good announcer, good guy all around. RIP, my brother. Yeah, we had another death. Uh, you probably know, you could probably speak to this better than I can, but Raquel Welch also passed away. She was <laughs> uh, yeah. she, apparently she was an icon in the 60s and 70s, and she was pretty attractive. So, Joe, I'll let the floor, floor <laughs> the floor is yours. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, well, I, you know, and even for me, it was a little bit before my time, but um, uh, a lot of her movies were still on like reruns and stuff on TV. And I hope my o- older brothers, I heard the name Raquel Welsh before I even knew why my brothers were mentioning her name. You know, like I, I'm seven years old. I'm like, oh, Raquel, well, I don't know. Well, by the time I hit 11 or 12, I could see why I'm like, oh, what? Hey, that lady's pretty. You know, that kind of, you know, when you're 11 or 12 boy, years old, you start to notice that. But really, um, a remarkably beautiful woman. As, as important as looks are is only so important, but incredibly sexy, um, provocative, gorgeous woman and a, a great act. Well, a, a very good actress and a big name. I mean, she was a her name went on for and she was she was she even did a Seinfeld or two. This is long after, you know. When she was a little older, she did a, a a Seinfeld episode that I can remember. And she's always at one point she was uh, voted the most sexiest woman you know in the world at one point um uh but uh, you know uh time catches us all and time caught her just like everybody you know everybody else and and uh she got older and and now she's now she's gone and r.i.p baby girl that's what i can say <laughs> yep uh rest in peace for tim mccarver and raquel welch mm-hmm. um okay so actress of the week joe this is your pick you pick sally field um yep. She was born November 6th, 1946. She's still with us. Uh, just saw her in a movie, 80 for Brady. And um, she did a good job with that movie. You know, for an older woman, um, she still can act pretty good. And, you know, she's believable and stuff. And, you know, but she was born in Pasadena, California. Uh, her mom was an actress and her father was a salesman, an officer in the U.S. Army. Then her mom got divorced, married a stuntman. And the stuntman sexually abused uh, Sally Field as a as a as a child when you know she it was her stepfather. So that was pretty traumatic. She wrote about that in her 2018 memoir, her book, I believe. Yeah. Um, she didn't start acting until 1965, so until she was about 19. Uh, after high school, she enrolled in a summer acting workshop at Columbia Studios. Uh, she said, as a kid, the first movie she ever saw was Disney Disney's Cinderella, you know, the cartoon version. Yeah. Um, then she began her acting career in TV. In a show called Gidget, um, she was pretty renowned as an actress. You know, at first, what happened was she, she, everyone thought that she could only do TV, so it was tough for her to get like roles and like movies. Right, she really had to break through, and she certainly did. She was in a movie called Norma Ray in 1979. She won Best Actress, mm-hmm. and she won another Best Actress award in 1985 for Places in the Heart, which I know Jerry, you're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, she also won Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series, even in 2007, when she was like an older woman, for a show called Brothers and Sisters. And I believe she won that same award, uh, Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series, 
1977 for a show called The Big Event. Um, she's a social activist. Uh, she won an Academy Achievement Award for you know her lifetime achievements, including her social activism. She supports cancer and equal rights. Um, she actually did Smokey and the Bandit as a leap of faith because there is basically no script. And she wanted to change her image from being seen as ugly because her role as uh, she had a, a role in a movie called Sybil. Uh-huh, I was waiting uh, for that. Was that was big, ugly. Sean. She was that- seen as ugly. So she wanted to change that whole, the whole thing, but she was hesitant to work in Smokey the Bandit with Burt Reynolds. Um, but she did. She took a leap of faith and it was, it was basically no scripts. So it was all ad libbing. If you, I don't know if you knew that about that movie, but I did not know it. No. Um, she said uh, after she won the Oscar for Norma Ray, it was like a blur. And she said, um, next time she needs to take the time to feel the moment because it's a hard industry. She said her first Oscar, she couldn't really feel it. It was too surreal. So like, you know, it's a hard industry. And when she won again in 85, she really took the time to appreciate it. She's like, man, this is, this is amazing. Um, but yeah, like I said, after her, ter- after her TV career ended, she tried to transition to films. It was tough for her to get even on the audition lists. Um, and she had some pretty good insights in some interviews I saw. She said, if you start blaming other people, then you're giving up your power. You must always be the one with power. So don't blame other people. Um, you know, she, yeah. uh, she just seems like a really down the earth, uh, really like nice lady. Like she doesn't seem like an actress, right? She comes off and just like someone's mom. Um, and she says all the films that she's done are like her children. They're very important to her. So when someone asks her a favorite film that she's done, her favorite TV show, she doesn't really like to give an answer because it's like choosing your favorite kid. So she takes yeah. a lot of pride in her work. Um, Joel, I'll let you talk about the top five and some a little bit about her. Yeah, I, I can remember as a little guy watching reruns of a show called the flying nun believe it or not now you're going back to when i'm a little kid and i'm watching reruns in the early to mid 70s these shows were filmed you know if the reruns they were about 10 years prior and sitcoms and so forth in the mid 60s weren't all the mid to late 60s weren't all that great but uh there was a show called the flying nun in which she was a nun obviously and she had the the power to uh when she you know, wanted to do a good deed or something like that. When her services were required, she had the, she could, you know, pull out her habit like that and spread her arms out and she could fly. And it was, it was kind of the cool thing, especially as a little guy watching that. Um, That's as far back as I I remember her. I remember um, the Sybil thing I'll talk about in a minute. That was unbelievable. That was almost historic, but uh, I always saw, uh, the cuteness, especially when she did the flying nun, she's cuteness. And then when that Smokey and a Bandit came out, it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's cuteness here, but there's also a whole lot of um, what a what an attractive, uh, just all the way around, just attractively built, attractive face, just a very, you know. So that's I said to myself, this is a long way from the flying nun. Uh, so a, a very nice combination of cuteness and sexiness, and <laughs> a great, a great, you know, and a great person and a good actress. Now I'll just get to my my top five i like to go from five down to one all right so um five was smoky and the bandit there were a couple of three three or four of those i think um number four was forrest gump she played forrest gump's mother as we all know i thought she played that role really well um if i'm not mistaken she's from that part of the country originally too not that that matters at all i mean i just i just uh just well, a, she's from know. she's from california i think I oh, said she's from it. california I think I, okay i said okay. she was pasadena california she was born in 
Okay. I, th- I thought for some reason she was like from the, from the South, but uh, maybe she lived there for a while, or, but she was born in California. That's fine too. But she, uh, five was Smokey the Bandit, four is Forrest Gump. We all remember the mother. Three was Sybil. And Sybil was a TV movie. It was one of those uh, two night type things because it was damn near four hours total. And she played the role of uh, someone with personality uh, multi-personality disorder uh, it's also uh, dissociative identity disorder DID um, better known though as multiple personality disorder and she played uh, a young lady who had been sexually abused and physically abused by her mother uh, and developed this disorder and she played these characters it was so impressive that she won all kinds of stuff for that. It was a TV movie, but it was historic. It was legendary. And you want to talk about range and diversity, sit there and play four or five different characters all in the same scene, you know, because that's what she did. It was really, really something. Number two, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a history, I was going to say a, a history buff, but I'm not a buff. I'm a history enthusiast. After I learn some more and become, you know, better at it, uh, I'll call myself a buff. But I like history. Number two, she played in a movie called Lincoln. Um, and Lincoln was played by the, what's the guy's name? He, this was only about Daniel maybe. Lewis? Yes, Daniel Day-Lewis played Abraham Lincoln. And Sally Field played Mary Todd Lincoln. And... Now, Mary Todd Lincoln was not a looker, and um, Sally Field at that point, um, you know, uh, she made herself uh, a little less, you know, you know, a little less attractive and so forth to, to fit the role. And I don't know whether I had any, like a padded suit on her or whatever, but she played the role really well. And just to think about the real, uh, you know, <laughs> This is a real Mary Todd Lincoln. I mean, just think about it. They had four boys and three of them died. So they went through a lot of depression and they went through a lot of, you know, you want to talk about depression, have four boys and have three of them die, you know, and then what happens with her husband, the poor woman had, I mean, what she played that role of Mary Todd Lincoln in the movie Lincoln. That's my number two. My number one, was a movie she did in 1984, 85-ish. Uh, Ed Harris was in this movie too, as a matter of fact. Um, he was. He was. Uh, he, he was played a, a vital role in the movie. But places in the heart, and I'm going to tell you, um, it's really, it's, it, it, it. I like movies about history, and this goes back to the de- depression. She plays. She plays a woman who's married to a chief of police in a small Texas town in 1935, Texas, right? Wackahatchee or something like that, Texas, I think the town was. And I'm not going to tell the whole story, but her husband gets called out one day and there's some trouble going on and he catches an accidental bullet and it kills him. And now she's left alone in the middle of a depression with no means, a couple of kids, and then does she play this role well? And the, the movie is great on several accounts. What's Obviously, it called? It's called Places in the Heart. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the one she won Best Actress for, dude. Yeah. Un, just unbelievable. 
And uh, I just, it, it teaches you the movie, it doesn't teach, but it reinforces concepts like hard work and, and perseverance and faith and all those things the movie does. It's a great movie. Danny Glover is in it. Um, uh, John Malkovich is in it. It's one of my favorite actors. I'm going to, you know, you know, cover him someday. Ed Harris is in it. Ed Harris is in everything. Um, and um, Sally just plays uh, an, an amazing role in this movie. And uh, she's one of my fence posts, if you know what I mean. I'll do a great actor or actress, and then I'll go to some some B-level stuff, and then I'll come back to. So in a couple of three, four weeks, I'll have another, you know, big time actor or actress. But, in you know, um, we're allowed to do these once in a while. And it was just a treat to remember her and uh, and cover a lot of stuff. And I, I don't know why all of a sudden I thought of it. I think it was just because maybe you mentioned that you went to this um this the Brady movie or whatever the hell it was. And I thought to myself, holy God, she's in that. She's one of those older women that are in that movie. And I thought to myself, wow, uh, that's Sally Field. And I remember Sally Field. But, and again, time catches us all. Uh, but um, it's just one of those things that what, what a treat she was uh, for me and what a treat she was to the big screen. And it was just a privilege to, uh, to cover her. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, so I don't really have a top five for her. Um, I just have the movies that I've seen her in. Did you uh-huh. see Smoking the Bandits, Joe? You know, I saw I saw at least the first one. Okay. So I can't. I don't. I can't. I don't, you know. I don't really remember that one that much. I thought maybe you would because it's forever in your time period. Um, <laughs> I can't remember. I mean, they were being chased through. They were in a black Trans Am and they were being traced. Traced. They were being chased uh, by that sheriff and his son. And his son was a little bit of like a Barney Fife type character. Yeah. And it was just funny. It was, it was apparently all... her, her and Burt Reynolds had some pretty good uh, chemistry on screen. Like they were in some other stuff together besides the sequels. I'm pretty sure Burt Reynolds and her had a, they had I an on screen th- thing going on. I think they had an off screen thing too, for a couple of years, as a matter of fact, but um, okay. yeah. Um, so I remember her from Miss, Mrs. Doubtfire from 1993 with Robin Williams, rest in peace. Robin Williams. We'll do him one show. Mm-hmm. Um, Forrest Gump in 1994. Uh, a movie that I really enjoyed. I saw this movie probably a couple of years ago called Eye for an Eye from 1996. Her daughter gets raped and murdered and she turns into a vigilante and takes justice into her own hands. I love movies like that. That's why I like Liam Neeson movies. I, I love when there's like a revenge. Like Charles Bronson was the, the master at that. Oh, yeah. I, I, I went through a phase like last year or two years ago where I watched all the Bronson films, dude. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So I love she, she was pretty good in that eye for an eye like she plays like this you know she turns into a vigilante she's like this you know older mother and uh she takes justice in her own hands so that was cool did you um, see did you see places in the heart I, dude i I don't remember like if Would i you saw do, me, it, do me a favor was, at some point I'm, and watch it, please. Yeah, I'm going to yeah 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 i know it's it's you know it's one of those movies obviously it's from a while ago i think it's from 1985 and before i was born and not and i've seen a ton of movies way before i was born uh-huh. but this movie if it means a lot to you and it has a good meaning a good messages there's several things in there, Sean, and, and and there's several things, several. It's just really well done. And and especially pay attention to the last two, three minutes of the movie in the church. Pay attention, close attention. It's going to blow your mind. But the whole movie is just so well done. It's it's it and, it and it takes place in deep in the heart of Texas and deep in the, de- the depression. 
it's just it's just really it's it's just uh, there's there's race relations there's 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 just so much there's work ethic there's 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 spirituality it's just it's a fantastic and then there's sally you know she downplays her because she wants her to make herself look kind of worn down like anyone would in her situation but she's still cute as hell so but just, just check that out. When you get a chance, I'm just, just as a favor, I don't want you to miss it. I know you love movies. And for you to miss that, this movie's just fantastic. And anybody out there, Places in the Heart, tremendous movie. Yep. Um, she was also an amazing Spider-Man. Um, I believe she plays Peter Parker's aunt or something like that. Um, Maniac with Jonah Hill from 2018. Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. That's from HBO TV series. Pretty good. Was that Harrison, um, that one? Ed Harris, I don't think he was in that one, dude. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, she was in Spoiler Alert, that movie I just saw in the movies, 2022. Uh, she was in 80 for Brady. I just saw that. She was also in Lincoln. Dude, that's another one. Dude, so Link, I haven't seen Lincoln either, Joe. I don't know how Lincoln's escaped me. I've had several opportunities to watch it, but I've never, like, I always find something else to watch. I, mean, I don't really want to. I know about Abraham Lincoln. I'm always like, I don't really care about watching his life right now. Like, I, I know his history, um, but I'm going to watch. I'm definitely going to watch Lincoln and Places in the Heart for sure, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. So that's actress of the week, Sally Field. Great actress, um, legendary actress. Um, shout out to her. Um, so Snapple fact this week. A All jiffy, right. Snapple fact 419. A jiffy is an actual time measurement equaling one hundredth of a second. Right. That's one over a hundred, right? One one hundredth with a TH, one one hundredth. Um, in other words, there are 100 jiffies. 100 little jiffies in one second. So uh, a lot of times people say, oh, okay, I'll be back in a jiffy. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Peanut butter over here? What are you with the jiffy? Where'd they ever get that from? But it's jiffy is an actual, you know, it's an actual measurable bonafide uh, unit of, of time. So I just, I never knew that. And I thought that was pretty cool. You know? Yeah. I think, um, I think for physicists, a jiffy is how long light takes to travel a distance of one femtometer, which is a millionth of a millionth of a millimeter. So there are 300,000 billion jiffies in a second. Um, that's one interpretation of a jiffy. No, there's a hundred jiffies in a second. Not to argue with you. But I know. If, I'm, just, I'm just looking. Uh, yeah. That can I'm, get really hairy and complex if you start talking about the speed of light and everything else. Suffice it to say, Sean, that there's a hundred jiffies in one second. So uh, a jiffy is one one hundredth of a second, which I think the key here is 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 when you hear I'll be back in a jiffy, you always thought of it as like a slang term when it's actually a literal, you know, it's a unit of time. Now, that person's not going to be back in a jiffy because by the time they finish their sentence, it's long over. But, you know, that it's nice to know sometimes where little sayings come from, you know. So I'll be back in a jiffy means doesn't mean literally, but it means I'll be back pretty quickly. You know, that's all. You with me? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I'm just as I'm reading a little bit more about jiffies here because there's a lot of different interpretations. There's a guy named Gilbert Newton Lewis who proposed a unit of time called the jiffy. Um, and that's the time it takes a light to travel one centimeter. Uh, 33 picoseconds. I don't know. There's a lot of different meanings for it, but I know, you know, people right. always use it, you know, I'll be, I'll be here in a jiffy. I'll be done in the jiffy. So it's, yeah. you know, it's a really short amount of time just to kind of summarize it, but uh, yes, interesting, interesting Snapple fact though, for sure, Joe. Yes, sir. Thank um, you. So let's move on to on the real. You ready to stump me? Well, I'll try, man. I mean, you're a tough cookie. Um, let me get a little sip of water here. If I'm going to be doing all this reading. All right. Very good. All right. 
no time like the present to start. Here we go. Story number one, Blacktown Rouge, Louisiana. Fire chief charged with at least three counts of arson. Fire chief charged with at least three counts of arson. Okay, 39-year-old Randy Calhoun, fire chief in Livingston Parish, was arrested and charged with three counts of arson last week. Family and friends became suspicious after Randy always seemed to leave the house about an hour and a half before the town fire whistle would go off. They quietly expressed their concerns to the local sheriff, who in turn had Calhoun followed for two weeks. On day 11, he was caught in an attempt to burn down an unspecified place of worship. They don't want to say what it was or this or that, but the, he was, you know, he faces 30 years in prison and is suspected to have at least two other connections to recent fires, hence the three counts of arson. Okay. Okay. All right. Cambridge, Massachusetts. Scientists at MIT working on freeze-free roads. Freeze-free roads. Okay. Scientists at the, at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology are working on a possible solution to winter driving hazards. They have a few prototypes for a conductive concrete, which will be impossible to freeze or even accumulate snow. The new concrete will be made with an electrically conductive material. They're not running wires through concrete, but they're making the concrete with material that will facilitate um, uh, electronic current. Okay, so uh, I'm going to start the sentence again. The new concrete will be made with electrically conductive material, which will be safe and pose no risk of electrocution to any person because of the low current but enough current to maintain a temperature above freezing. If all goes well, they will begin testing this new concrete on walkways and parking lots in the winter of 2024, and hopefully on actual roadways by 2026. Hot diggity damn. All right. So the third one, you cool so far with that? Yep. The third one, Florida boy dies from infection after twisting an ankle on a treadmill. Jesse Brown was an outgoing 11-year-old Florida boy and died just a few weeks after twisting his ankle on a treadmill. His parents say he probably contracted what his doctors called group A strep infection while riding his motocross bike, which he did very often. It is believed he acquired a scratch because he was acquired several scratches. It was always coming back scratched up from riding motocross, right? So it was, it was believed he acquired uh, this infection through one of those scratches, uh, which opened the door for the infection to enter his body. A few days after uh, the ankle injury, so he went out and he was riding his motorbike and he got scratches, okay? Then later on that week, okay, uh, a few days after the ankle uh, injury, he developed bruises, which uh, which alarmed his family. His whole leg was bruised, badly bruised. So what happens? He went out. He was riding his motocross bike. He got scratched up like he normally does, thought nothing of it. About a week later, he's running on a treadmill, and he twists his ankle. Okay? So after he twists his ankle, that's when he woke up. A couple of days after that, his whole leg was bruised up badly and he was running a fever okay shortly thereafter he was admitted to the hospital 
where the aforementioned doctors diagnosed him but could not save him before the flesh-eating bacteria caused his brain to swell, ultimately killing him. Medical personnel believe the bacteria attacked the rolled ankle because it was already weak. Okay. So, okay, so pretty complex stories. I'm a complex dude. Can you summarize <laughs> the first one again? It was the fire guy and he, you know. Okay, sure. He got charged with three counts of arson, you said? Yeah, well, basically, it's a fire chief. And he's being charged with at least three counts of arson. Okay. Um, okay. Fire chief, three counts of arson. The second one was the freeze free road. Mm-hmm. Third one was the guy's scratch. And what happened with the scratch? The scratch turned into something, it turned into bruises. Then what happened? What happened was this kid twisted his ankle on a treadmill, which is not, okay, not a big, not uncommon. But a couple of days after twisting his ankle on a treadmill, he had bruises all around it. He was running a fever and had bruises all the way up the leg, which is a little bit like, and they were thinking, what's going on here? When they took him to the hospital and the doctors say he had this, uh, well, what, what did they call it again? A group A strep infection. Um, and they're trying to figure out how he acquired the strep infection. And since he had a lot of scratches on him, the doctors ask about the scratches and it was, well, because he's always doing the motocross. So, okay, the, the virus, the infection probably entered through one of the scratches, um, but the reason why it was expedited and the reason why it showed up so quickly, that twisted ankle, that turned ankle. Okay. So it, it, this, this, this virus that was in his body and maybe would have been a little more quiet a little longer because of the ankle being turned and being weakened tremendously, it, it was like showing the bull red and went after that. Yeah. Went after that, and it just went into overdrive. And before the doctors could fix him, it made his brain swell, and and took him. Oh, he he died. He died. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm on the treadmill seven days a week, so I hope I don't turn my ankle, dude. Um, <laughs> let's see. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So that that happens to people. They die from like these infections. So that's reasonable. Um, the ice free road is also reasonable. Um, the fire chief getting charged with arson. Um, don't say the whole thing, but why exactly? What's why exactly was he charged with arson again? Let me just read it to you again. Okay, no, dude, it's a long thing. We gotta go. We don't have a lot of time here. Just, okay. just like quickly. His say- family. Okay, he he uh, he he. His family became concerned that there was a, something going on that he would leave the house. And about an hour to an hour and a half later, the town fire whistle would go off. When this happened three or four times in a row, they became a little concerned. And they just whispered to the they whispered to the chief of police, the other, hey, the sheriff, he's our family member. But I don't know. This doesn't seem right. Yeah. Okay. let me think. Okay, you have five Uh, seconds and begin. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um. I think the fire chief one is fake. I don't know. I don't think I'm right, but I'm just going to guess that. I, I just need to know which one you think is real, man. This isn't like yeah, process uh, of elimination. I oh, have to know. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, you have to just zero in on which one you think is real. I can't help you as you go. Yeah, two fake and one real. Let me just think about this for a second. Fire chief one's fake, I think. Uh, I think the real one. Oh, it's only, yeah. I'm, I was doing the opposite. Now you got me doing the opposite. I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> 
Uh, I think I think the real one is the ice free roads. You are incorrect, sir. Sorry. Which one's real? The real one was that kid in Florida. Okay, because that one was plausible too. But so was like, they're, all like real, yeah. they're all like realistic stories. You know what I mean? Well, it's that's my job is to and try. Fire, to I was, okay, so I was down. I was I thought the fire one was fake. I was down to the the kid with the ankle turn and uh you know, if I come out and say if some guy got his leg chopped off and he 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 super glued it back on, <laughs> you yeah. mean you're gonna it's well, bullshit. I'm I, mean, I think we yeah. gotta do more stuff like that. I think we have to be more far fetched. Like a lot of these stories are like they make you think, but it's like all of them are very plausible, right? Yeah. Um, or maybe we'll try just the headline and just for fun, you guess which headline you buy. Okay. Because we're not playing for a million dollars here, we're playing for fun. So yeah. it'll be like, guess the headline and it'll be hard without information, but you just guess which headline you and it'll make for some good laughs too, you know, and it'll make for less, uh, you know, it, yeah. it'll be less time consuming too. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to uh, Brian Koberger and Alex Murdoch update really quick. Uh, apparently Brian uh, Koberger's lawyer is going to make $200 per hour and it's going to cost the taxpayers a lot of money. So this guy who murdered innocent students is getting a lawyer that's going to be commanding $200 per hour. And it's going to be a long case, um, a lot of preparation. So um, that's, you know, that's not, that's on our dime. You know, that's on our dime. He's not getting a uh, private defender. He's getting a public defender, I believe. So that's taxpayers money um, to defend a, a basically a murderer. Um, anyway, so there's a big, a big change in the case um, with the 911 call. It was thought that um, the 911 call was made by a, a survivor of the attack. Um, there's, they, they said it was this person named Dylan Mortensen, but apparently it was the person who called 911 um, was the best friend of one of the, the University of Idaho students. Um, you know, he called 911 and he was the one who made the call. And, for they thought it was someone else, but they just figured out that another person called out on one. It wasn't one of the, uh, it wasn't one of the the survivors. I think one of the roommates. It was someone else. It was someone's like best friend. But apparently, the person who they thought called nine one one saw Koberger that night, and described him as a five ten or taller male, not very muscular but athletically built with bushy eyebrows. Um, and then he walked past her, and the girl stood in frozen shock. Um, and then the person. Uh, the girl who saw him locked herself in her room and she was like in shock. Um, but she didn't call 911. Someone else did. The best friend of one of the students did. So that's an interesting detail that could be important, I guess, in the future. Um, as far as Alex Murdoch goes, I said last episode, he, he might take the stand and testify, um, defend himself, I guess. Um, but there's a, there's a thing going on when they tracked his car's movements on June 7th, 2021. Um, they said around the time that his son and wife was killed, he drove 42 miles per hour as he neared the location of Maggie's iPhone, his wife's iPhone. Um, then he sped up to 45 miles per hour. Um, and they're trying to imply that Murdoch may have disposed of the murder weapons on the way to visit his mom. He spent 20 minutes visiting his mom, but he claimed to have been there for 50 minutes. So that's a big discrepancy. Um, and he returned home by driving over 80 miles per hour. Um, faster than any trip he took that day. So, you know, he went to visit his mom or dispose of weapons or something like that, possibly. And then he drove 80 miles per hour on the way back and he lied about how long he was at his mom's. 
Um, so uh-huh. that's kind of the interesting details that, um, yeah, we're learning. So that's the Koberger and uh, Murdo update. I don't know if you have any comments about it. Anything to say about those guys? You can. No, I think I think I've said. <laughs> I think I've said uh, for at least for a while. Everyone knows how I feel about that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so our current event, uh, current event of the week is about abortion. Um, it's from the New York Times. It's called a new goal for abortion bills: punish or protect doctors. So now that Roe versus Wade um, has been overturned. There is around 300 bills in 40 states that have been proposed. The majority are seeking to restrict access to abortion. Others are trying to strengthen it um, because now it's all in charge. The states are all in charge now. Um, and doctors are the target. They're trying to put these doctors in jail. They're trying to make it. Try, they're trying to charge doctors with a felony for administering abor- abortion for people, uh, for girls who go there and couples who go there to get an abortion. Um both sides apparently agree on one thing, that doctors are the critical link. Um, they're the most vulnerable to p- the punishment. A lot of these bills are treated that way. Uh, just for an example, um, a bill in Wyoming, doctors and nurses who perform abortions or prescribe medication for abortions, they could face five years in prison. Uh, in Nebraska, uh, abortions currently legal until 22 weeks after a woman's last menstrual period. Uh, they're trying to have a bill to make it illegal after around six weeks. So any doctor who performs the abortion after that uh, 22 weeks or after the six weeks, um, no, six weeks, um, and they, they, they perform the abortion even after they detect cardiac activity on an ultrasound, um, it would, it would uh, I think it would strip doctors of their license. Um, so there's pretty harsh penalties. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, basically doctors are going to be the ones at the forefront here with abortions. So um a lot of times states that banned abortions abortion pills have become a crucial workaround um bans really usually prohibit any method including medication but the pills are tougher to regulate um even before was before roe was overturned medication was already used in more than half of all abortions in the united states um so they're going to try to figure out what they can do to kind of uh enforce having the, the pills being illegal and also punishing the doctors um, but the but the example, there's a bill in Iowa, uh, abortion's currently legal until 22 weeks after a woman's last menstrual be- period. Um, and the new bill would make it a felony for doctors to distribute ab- uh, abortion pills punishable by up to 10 years in jail, but will not pun- penalize women who take or obtain the pills, just the doctors. Um, so there's a lot going on. And, um, you know, the doctors at the forefront here. So I don't know how you feel about this, Joe. How do you feel about the doctors being the ones that are the criminals in the cases um for because someone comes to them for an abortion they're just carrying out their wishes the person's wishes they're not making any judgments they're just being a doctor um but now there's they're basically turning the felons and lose their license how do you feel about that oh man i'll tell you sean of all the issues this this is this is this is one that's really 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 difficult for me um, I just, I mean, I can see both sides of it. I mean, I, I could see a women wanting, I really can see women wanting the right to, to govern their own bodies and so forth and so on. But at the same time, um, you know, I, 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 little, little infant, little, little babies, little, little, I, 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 it's tough, Sean. It's, it's so tough. And I, 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 
I, I find myself sitting out in, in arguments about this because this is one of those issues that people will argue from here to hell's green acre. Um, I, I just, I, I, in this, in this scenario, this is just a legal question you're asking me. So what Roe, nobody overturned Roe v. Wade. Okay. Roe v. Wade is, I mean, in, in a way they did. Yes. But what it, all they did was they didn't make abortion illegal. They just, like you said, they just turned it over to the States. They said, it's no longer a national issue. We're going to turn it over to States to make their own decisions. Now for those States in which abortion is still legal. And I, even if it's legal, I do absolutely agree with time limits. I mean, now the six weeks is a little ridiculous because I don't think women even realize they're pregnant a lot of times till like eight weeks. Don't even realize they're pregnant. So you're asking someone to do something two weeks before they even realize, but the, so, but at the same time, I don't like, you know, you know, too long either. So I think if you're going to do this damn thing, the faster you do it, the better. It's one of these things where it's like, I, 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 let me get back to the point. Um, for doctors who were doing it in states where it's legal, they're fine. Um, if you're doing it in a state where it's illegal, don't do it. Send, send people, and a lot of states are doing this. They'll say, okay, we're just going to send you here and you go over here. It's a three-hour ride, but if that's the way we have to do yeah, it. Yeah, but that's- then there's another thing that's going on um, um, in Idaho. There's a bill that would make transporting of minors seeking abortions a human trafficking crime. Uh, that the burdens on the doctors are proven court that they didn't break the law. Uh, it's part of the Life is a Human Right Act, um, where performing an abortion or administering abortion medication would be considered a felony. Um, implicated would lose their license. So, um, you know, there's interesting things of, you know, if the doctor finds out that they, tra- they, they travel across states, the doctor could still be possibly liable for knowing that information. So that's, you know, the detail that's interesting. What's really sad here is that all the all the and they they so the the proponents of this think that this is a big victory for them. Well, they've not done nothing. As a matter of fact, what they've done is, if if they're making this more difficult, more arduous for women to do this, what's going to happen is we're going to go back in time to the point where women go to back back you know to basements. And to, and to 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 seek replaces, and when when they're done with rudimentary tools, but it, they're going to be performed. These things, you're, they they didn't they didn't they're going to be performed. That's going to happen. So they didn't. There's no big victory. If anything, you turn back the clock and you made it uh, really arduous for people, to, the girls, the young women, to get this done. But uh, now you've endangered them too. Um, I, I I I think. I think, Sean, I've always said this, and I've said this to females in my own family. I said, look, I don't care whether you like this answer or not, but I'm going to say legally, I think, okay, under certain circumstances and within certain parameters and time limits, if this is the way it's been, I'm cool with it, but I'll get down on my knees and beg you not to do it. That's it. Yeah, because as an example, uh, Montana, abortions are legal up to viability, usually around 23 weeks. The House approved a bill last week requiring doctors to agree in writing to participate in abortion procedures. Um, The medical conscience bill, it's called. It also provides medical institutions and healthcare providers the right to decline abortions based on ethical or religious beliefs. So, um, you know, it's a a tough issue, Shawnee. It's a yeah. tough issue, man. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I think, you know, 23 weeks is a long time. That's like, you know, yeah, I agree. I that's agree. like six months, right? I agree. 
something think, something think, like eleven or twelve would be. Yeah, I think I think the heartbeat and around you know because I think they could. You said they can't detect the heartbeat until around six weeks. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I from what I understand, a lot of times women won't even know they're pregnant until like eight weeks. I mean, they'll think, they'll suspect, but they're not. You know, yeah. you know, like you said, so 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 much times, so a time period from their last menstruation, right? So that that last menstruation is is when the time starts clicking. Well, well, they don't even have the radar up for another four weeks, right? Like five weeks, you know, like oh, okay, it's five weeks. I'm about a week late, and then they start thinking. So you can't give them six weeks. I mean, that's not even, you know. That could be within the, the parameters of normal lateness a lot of times. So you got to go. I mean, I would say between eight and 11 weeks or something, uh, which is fair. But like I said, um, I, I can see I could see women saying and feeling like it's their legal right to do that. I understand that. And I'll I'll, I'll acquiesce to that. But I will say, please, please ascertain what you're doing early. And I'll beg you not to do it, though. That's how I feel about it. It's a tough. It's a tough issue. Yeah, I mean, because like obviously, if there's rape or incest involved, there should be no questions asked. If there's right, rape or incest right. involved, you should allow abortion. You know, that's you know, and people could say, you know, other religious fanatics and lunatics will say, oh, that's, well, yeah. that's God's plan. God's plan was to have that guy rape you and to create a baby, and the baby's going to grow up. It's like, really? God's plan was to have someone forcefully sexually assault you and create a child and you're forced to raise that child? I don't think so. I don't think right. so. And then you get into the phenomena of miscarriages. Well, if God didn't, if God was absolutely positively against well, trying to the, say, the fetus but, dying in the womb, then why why does he allow, why does he or she, whatever God is, why, why does he or she allow miscarriages? You could open up a whole can of worms. Um, right, which we're not going to do right because here, miscarriages are a natural occurrence, whereas abortion is a man-made thing. That they're well, if man- it's a natural occurrence, it's God's will. A man's choosing, man's choosing, people have the power to to kill a child, a potential child. Like So with abortion, I'm pretty, um, I'm not a crazy conservative, like right-wing leaning person who thinks like abortion is bad in every situation. Like I said, you need it in incest and rape cases, but also, you know, there's a lot of young people who get pregnant and they, they don't have the means to raise a kid. And they, and what happens is if they do raise the kid, they have to put their life on hold and they can't pursue a career. And then they struggle to financially to make money their whole lives unless they find a significant other who has financial means and can support the child and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very difficult life. A lot of children grow up in poverty. Um, there's overpopulation. There's there's so many children that need to be adopted that it takes the adoption process is so long and so complex. Um, so, you know, if you could tell the girl who's, you know, deciding to have an abortion, if you can tell her, okay, your child can be raised by a very nice couple and they have them all vetted and they have them researched and and the girls, you know, knows that the child is going to be alive, but it's tough for a girl to know that her baby is being raised by other people. Maybe they, maybe it's more peace of mind for her to know that her baby has never existed in the real world. And it was, it was eliminated before coming into this world than knowing that she has a child out there, which might find out one day that, you know, she gave up her child and the person, because there's all these stories about these people who are adopted and they go to find their real parents one day. Yeah. Um, so it's a very complicated issue. And it's more to it. It's not simple as saying I'm Catholic. I'm against murder. Therefore, I'm against abortion. It's not that simple. It's really no, complicated. it's not. 
it's extremely complicated and we have to do a show i'm catholic you're catholic and i i, I like i said i love christ and all that but I, I don't i don't i'm not down with every little rule of the catholic religion and i think sometimes you and i will have to maybe do a show on catholicism and i mean this we're not here to trash anything. We'll talk about the good parts and we'll talk about the parts that we're not so crazy about. And we'll talk about how it's eroding. Every time I turn around, there's a new parish that's that's closing and, and combining with another one because there, it, it, it's, it's becoming smaller and smaller. Um, so uh, I would not let the rules of the Catholic faith tell me what to do. And I don't do it that way. I do follow my heart and what I think Christ would want me to do. But I circumvent the Catholic Church. I'm Catholic, but I circumvent it. I go to church. I go to, you know, I go to mass once a, once a month or so because I like to go, not because I feel like I have to. Uh, and I'm proud to be Catholic. I love the Catholic Church, but I'm not going to let some bullshit rules that were made by men, just like the two of us throughout the, the centuries that were made by men. Okay, I follow my heart and try to figure out what I think Christ would want, and I roll that way. But I don't roll, and and I don't think Christ ever talked about um, abortion. And what do you uh, think about uh, this, the, the? I don't want to get too deep into. This. We'll talk about this subject maybe another show. But this whole article is about punishing doctors. Do you think doctors deserve to be classified as felons for you know? Of course not. Of course not. Abortions because because it's a two way street, right? The the couple, the girl, whoever's going going to for the abortion really wants the abortion. And the doctor is just, you know, doing their job basically. But now, now it's going to be very tough on, you know, a lot of people to get this abortion done. And the doctor could potentially lose their license and livelihood and go to jail. Right. And like I said, convicted felon. So I think it's very harsh. And it's very harsh. And no, it's showing the whole idea. The whole notion is that, 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 that the, 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 the people who are tremendously overzealous about doing this and they, they really think, and I feel bad for them because they really think like they're doing something good. They really think like this is going to make a difference. And all it is, is going to displace people who are going to get these abortions instead of going to the clinic that you're closing down, they're going to find somewhere else to go like in the old days and it'll be done it'll be done in a very rudimentary way and a bit like coat hangers and wherever it has to be done but they're going to be done but now you're going to create more misery than already existed and while you're waving your victory flag that doesn't exist it's just a shame yeah um it's just a it's a divisive topic and sometimes people are conservatives just because they're against abortion they're like i'm like why are you conservative what's your views you know is it fiscal was it social issues are you against marriage or what are you against um that the left is doing and a lot of times they're like well i don't like killing babies and that's a big reason so i'm with these guys um well i don't like it either and like i said that's why i said i'll get down on my knees and say woman i don't know you but please Please don't do this. Please consider uh, putting your baby up for adoption. Please don't do this. And I will say it, Sean, I'll say it, I'll get down on my, but I, it doesn't make me, it doesn't mean I got to join, you know, the Republican party or anything like that. I told you before, I don't walk, I, I, I kind of flow in and out. Yes. Anyone who knows me, I lean a little bit more left than I do. Right. But I'm not totally against the, the, the values of the right. And I would, it's nothing to do with religion so much as uh, my gut feeling about a little infant in there and and you deciding to end it after a certain point you know and th- we have to talk about something else too we have to talk about um talk about uh proper education when it comes to birth control 
it's a personal yeah, that's, responsibility. Because a, a lot of because yeah. a lot of people think they could be loose sexually. It's not always the girl. Everybody's like, oh, why is the girl so loose? Well, it's the guy's decision too. He's participating. It's a two part, yeah. you know. And like they might think, oh, we could be we could use no condom. We could be very loose. We could be sex because we'll just get an abortion. I hate that attitude. I don't want. Yes. I don't want the fact that abortions available to to make people Thank more you. like like less responsible when they're having sex. Like you know, they have to be very careful. And they have to be educated on, you know, because abortion should be the last resort, dude. Thank you. They shouldn't be as cavalier as they are about abortion, right? Yeah. And that, 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 so. And also, so, yeah. by the way, I got news for you. If you have an abortion, it could potentially damage you forever. You, you might not be able to have kids in the future. So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of other things that can happen by having an abortion. It could affect your ability to have kids when you actually want to in the future. Right. And, and listen, women, don't if any women listen to that, I it's I understand and fully agree and support the the notion that you should have the right to govern your own biology. Uh, but even at that, there should be some parameters, some time limits. And although I agree and I understand your right, your legal right to do this under certain parameters, I will still plead with you not to. If that makes any sense, that's all I got. Yeah, it's a touchy subject. And listen, yep. um, I'm not totally against, like I said, my, I said, you know, where I'm coming from, especially in rape and incest cases. Yeah, that's a whole different ballgame. And then, yeah. you know, you know, also, also, I feel bad for the parents and the, the, the kid who's their kid gets pregnant. The character, the, the parents just raise their kid. Um, and then they're expected to, because the kid usually, say the, say the girl's like in her teens, right? Um, say she's like 20 years old, say she doesn't have a lot of money. And, you know, now the parents are expected to raise another kid for their kid until she could get on her feet and do it on her own. So it's putting a lot of pressure on these grandparents too. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot to think about, you know, it's a big decision and bringing the child, like you say, aborting a child's a, a big thing, but also bringing another human, every human life that comes into this planet and this universe, um, is a big deal. And, uh, you know, if they can't, you know, have a, a proper life, not saying they can be grow up in poverty and get out of poverty and become really successful. But um, a lot of times they're in really bad situations. You know, they're malnourished. They're not taken care of as well. Cause you know, the mother didn't want them in the first place or whatever. It's just like, there's so much more to it than just simply killing a baby. Just, just so people know that. I mean, they do know that, but that, that is true too, Sean. And there's only one other thing I want to say that in like, I just told you how I felt about it. I got, I got, I got two sides of it and it's, 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 they're conflicting, but there's one thing um, that people have to understand too. When you talk about, well, why don't we just have, have the kid young lady, have the kid and then put it up for adoption. A lot of times a woman won't want to do that because of the emotional thing involved. That's understandable, but there's another factor here too, that I've heard people argue this with me and it makes me, it's a head scratcher that the baby gets put up for adoption and gets put into a really effed up situation and gets big winds up becoming you know, like treated like, like abused and, and you know what I mean? This, this adopted child winds up in a really, really bad yeah, situation. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people who profit off taking in like, uh, uh -huh. like yep. there's, there's, there's angels who have a lot of, um, they, they support a lot of children who are like up for adoption They're mm. they're, um, they're in good situations, but then there's a lot of horrible situations where they live in terrible uh, conditions and the person taking care of them is t collecting tax money from the government um, and just like using most of the money for themselves and not spending it on the proper food and stuff for all the kids are taking care of. That happens right. a lot too. 
Now, that's not a knock against the government. We're trying to look out for babies. What it's a knock against is the recipient of the money using it for something it's not intended for. That's the crime. But you can't knock off all the government funding because some assholes are, you know, 10, 20 percent of the people who are adopting babies are, are you can't punish the 80 percent that are doing it right for the 20 percent of the. What we can do is lock them up, you know, that kind of a thing. But it's just one of those things. Again, it's not really the government funding that's the problem. It's the misappropriation of funds by these these asshole people that, you know, and there's a special place in hell for people to do that, I think so. Yeah, exactly. Just one of my yeah, it's like it's you know there a lot of them end up in foster care, and foster care can be very uh, a challenging way to grow up. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've heard a lot of bunk, horror. They're sleeping stories. in bunk beds. They're eating spaghettios every night. Yeah, um, it's uh, not a great life. But anyway. sexual abuse, all kinds of stuff. Yep. All right, so uh, that's the current event. Um, as far as sports go, football season's over. Um, NBA is an all star break right now. Um, you know, Joe, you said you're going to be watching more flyers. You're going to, are you going to start like, what's, what's going to, until the Phillies, until baseball starts. Cause we got a month, we got, what are we in February? We got about, a, you know, about like a month and a half till baseball starts. This is um, the worst time of year for it. it this, and, and I know the birds lost and all that, but even at, it, right after Super Bowl Sunday, any year, it's just such a, with like this weekend. Oh my God. It's going to be, and I got, they have this new football league starting up or whatever, but these things that they're never, it's not the NFL. It never will be. I may give that a peep. I don't know, but I'm going to, I go through this withdrawal as a lot of NFL fans do. It's that week or two after the Super Bowl. It's just such a shock. It's just such a, you know, you get, that's why, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge basketball fan for it. So for me, it's actually like. I'm, I view it like more like positive. I'm like, oh wow! Now on Sundays, I have actually have a whole productive day. I can do other things besides being glued to my couch all day watching football. Um, I can do other things. Plus, I'm a, like, like I said, I'm a huge basketball fan. I have basketball. Like, it just sucks now because we don't. The NBA doesn't come back till next Thursday, but I have college basketball. Like Villanova's playing tomorrow. Um, March Madness is coming up. So that's one cool thing about being a sports fan of like many different sports. Yeah. Um, it never really ends, man. The party never ends. Oh yeah, so I'm just yeah. curious from you because you're a huge football guy. Like how you how you gonna deal with it? So what when the Phillies do start, there, are you gonna be locked into the Phillies? I think I probably you know, look. The Flyers are on. We're gonna talk sports in the show, so I'm just trying to you know, what, what type of sports do you want to talk about here? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I'll be locked into the Phillies when they come. Anything that comes on, it's a cycle. Um, yeah, Flyers, Phillies, Sixers, I'll be giving them a half-hearted look, but I, if they are what I think they're going to be, they're going to be quote, a pretty good team, you know, BFD pretty good team. My ass, they're going to be a pretty good team. They're going to win a playoff series, maybe a second one. I doubt it, but maybe a second series and they're going to fall short again. So that's what the Sixers are going to do. The Flyers are going to slowly, whatever. I'm just going to try to watch them grow. The Phils could be interesting because they were, they were, look, they lost to a better ball club and that Houston team was just vicious. They really were. I didn't expect them to win that, but they won a couple games in that series. They picked up a few good players. They solidified their pitching rotation. So I'm going to be excited for, I guess, the Phillies to play ball. Yeah. Um, but as far as like, as I'm a huge Knicks fan, the Knicks are playing ever since we got, we acquired Josh Hart. He's been playing godsend. better. Yeah. He's the godsend. This guy plays so hard. I knew it. You know, I saw him at Villanova. He won a national title. He's a big time player. 
he probably should have won two national titles because in 2017, we lost to Wisconsin, but we also didn't have Amari Spellman. Amari Spellman was ruled out that year. If we had Amari Spellman that season, I'm fairly confident we could have won 2017. And then we won in 2018. We would have won three in a row instead of two in a row. So it's always what ifs. But anyway, Josh Hart is a great addition to the Knicks. And as far as Jalen Brunson go, what an all-star snub. Jalen Brunson's last, let's just see his last five games or last seven games or whatever, back to January 31st. He scored 37 versus the Lakers, 41 versus the Clippers, 30 versus the, the Sixers, 38 versus the Jazz, 40 versus the Nets. Um, and he's so efficient. Like he's 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 shooting over 50% from the field. And he's just a he's a floor general. This guy is a phenomenal point guard. And the fact they didn't make their all-star game is a tragedy, but he is the best free agent sign the Knicks have had in years. And I am so I couldn't be more happy as a Villanova fan and Knicks fan that everyone's seeing what the Villanova players bring to the NBA. Jay Wright really trained these players and coached them really well. We play offense and defense. We don't take plays off. We hustle. And all of our guys are thriving. I mean, Mikel Bridges, who just got traded from the Suns to the, to the Nets, Mikel Bridges has scored 45 points the other night. You know, 45 points. And he's not considered a big-time scorer, but he's one of the best players in the NBA. He does a lot of little things. So I couldn't be prouder of the Nova guys in the NBA. Um, as a Villanova fan, it's amazing following the guys from college into the NBA. Um, so, you know... I'm going to be talking a lot of Knicks. I'm going to be talking a lot of Villanova basketball as long as we're still alive. You know, we, we can make the tournament. <laughs> if we win the Big East tournament, dude, like I'm telling you, Joe, we're 13 and 13 right now. Ever since Justin Moore came back, we've been playing a way lot, way better. Remember, he, yeah. he ruptured his Achilles in the Elite Eight last year. He missed the Final Four game because that's another. If he if he played in the Final Four, dude, we could have won a title last year. I remember that, Sean. I remember so, that. That was tough. Um, so kudos to him. Actually, it was interesting. While Justin Moore was recovering, Kevin Durant, I think they spoke on the phone. Kevin Durant gave him really good advice because Kevin Durant had the identical injury as Justin Moore. Coming back from a ruptured Achilles is not easy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're let, we're led on sports tonight. But come Monday, we're going to have, uh, you know, even if we don't have current sports every episode, I'm, I'm going to do my little talk about the Knicks. I'm going to do my little talk about Villanova basketball. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I'm a Devils fan. The Devils are in second place in the Eastern Conference, I believe. The Devils are playing good. So I'm going to, you know, talk a little bit more about the Devils because if Joe, you want to talk about the Flyers. But we'll have some sports stories. We'll, we're, maybe we'll recap a game per episode. We'll pick out a classic game. Yeah. And we'll, maybe we'll recap the game. We're not giving up on sports by any means. But no. Just trying to figure out where we go from here while football season's in the off season. Well, we touch on sports. We're not necessarily a sports program. Sports is one of the many things that we touch on. So we'll and touch I, on sports. I honestly think, dude, like me and you, we can we can easily be on sports talk radio, have our own just sports show. But our this is podcast is, is a variety, all all encompassing topic type of show. Yeah. And we're more than sports. However, much more. If we if we want to delve into sports talk radio and really pursue it and make this a sports dedicated show, we can do it. So, um, yeah, for sure. I kind of like the diversity and talk about other things. The whole great. I love sports, but uh, among other things. So, you know, I, I like all the other stuff we do, too. So uh, yeah. it is what it is, bro. What else? Uh, well, it's sports. And um, I guess we'll wrap up the show here, Joe. I mean. Uh, all the social media links are on the, on the links, uh, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, um, and the floor is yours, Joe. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Bye. Take care.